Exodus chapter 2. A key character in this chapter we're going to look at, these first 10 verses, is Moses' mother. She's going to, we all know the story, I figure she's going to put him in a basket and in an ark and send him down the river. And she, with great faith, she did. And the songs that we're singing this morning, the first one's by Sarah Adams, and the one we just sang, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, is by Helen LaMail. And then the last song we're going to sing is by Fanny Crosby. And we're about to see the faith of a, a woman that set her son in a river. And we read about Hannah's prayer. And the, the Lord killeth and the Lord maketh alive. You ever quoted that? Hannah said that. Right? I, recently I heard a horrible statement in another state and I was hoping to give some comfort to one of the Lord's saints. And I thought of what we just looked at, that those Hebrew women, they ain't like the Egyptian women. They're lively. And the scriptures say a woman can't usurp authority over man. They're not to teach. Now, that's like if I said uh, that doesn't mean they're incapable. They're fully capable <laughs> of running things and doing all those things, but the Lord commands it not. Uh, we don't tell, tell people at three feet tall they can't dunk basketballs. They can't do it anyway. But it's because they're fully capable, and they're, they're saints just like we are, and they got brains just like us, and they're taught of God just like we are. There's no difference. But uh, I'm so thankful for the a lot of the women throughout Scripture and throughout time the Lord's used mightily to carry his God, sometimes literally, <laughs> carry the letter to Rome. A woman in a rough patch of land and a rough time in history carried the only copy of a letter written from Paul to Rome. What a thought, huh? Good place to, good things to look into and be thankful to the Lord for. Look here in Exodus chapter 2. The title of this was Down to Wash. The king's daughter is going to go down to the river to wash. And that's going to be her hat for that day. Just like Ruth, it was her hat to land on Boaz's field. Well, it wasn't just happenstance, was it? Boy, ain't you, ain't you glad she sure was lucky? No, that's not what it is. I want to go through this second <clears throat> chapter of Exodus, these first ten verses, and I just want to talk to you about it. I don't really want to preach. I don't really want to draw out. Uh, chronological points that will be easy to remember. Uh, I read through this and I just saw what I saw and I want to show you what I saw. That's all I want to do. I just want to talk to you. I pray, that's my title, Down to Wash. I pray the Lord will bring us down to wash. You know, we, we ended Genesis there and at the beginning of Exodus chapter 1 gives us a little bit of genealogy and said that generation was over. And you know, I did the math, that's about 310 years that take place until we get to right here. Nothing's mentioned. Nothing's mentioned. That's a long time. 430 years these Hebrews are going to spend in Egypt before the Lord brings them out. And that's a long time. That's like from the last of the Old Testament prophets, if we're not talking about John the Baptist, until the Lord came, until the Lord sent John the Baptist, about 400 years. 400 years without any leadership, without any guidance, without any word from God. Boy, what mess they got themselves. They had plenty of religion. There's tons of churches and garments and people praying and swinging incense or whatever, all these pomp and circumstance. But there's no gospel in it. There's no good news in it. I was thinking of dividing the scriptures, <laughs> rightly dividing the word of God. That's just that's kind of like me getting a ruby, and I just polish it up, and then I try to to, to make I see the see the light that it is and the beauty of it, and I just want to 
draw a picture of it so others can see what I see, what's there. Just tell you what's there, and then it's precious to them too. And there's times when that stone, it's perfectly cut, like when it's, it's in the hand of a master, and no matter how much you turn that stone, every face of it's exactly the same. And the light shines through just clear, and it's perfect, and it hits in the same spot. It's the same light hitting the same way every time. Nothing changes. And then there's other times, those, those rubies, they're, they're uncut. And I, you, ever, you ever seen one of those, an uncut gem? They're beautiful. They're be- we put our hand to stuff, and we said, we've made this pretty. Well, no, you make it, kind of makes me dizzy looking at it. I like the raw one. And you take those, and it's the same light going through it. But that, that what comes out is sometimes it's towards us, and sometimes it's away from us, and sometimes it's brighter, and sometimes it's more delicate. It's a beautiful thing. We see the birth of Moses in these first 10 verses. We see a picture of Christ. We do, and we're going to see some other things. This, this, this rays that are coming out of this gem. It's, it, there's, it's painting on the wall, a sinner being saved, and all the similarities. And we see a ray of light that resembles Christ's bride nourishing those babes. And, and throughout these verses, it's illuminated with just the power and the providence of our sovereign God on his throne conducting all this. It's precious to me. It's better than bullion. <laughs> I think it's going to be better than bullion to you too. I pray so. I pray to comfort, comfort folks and do something for you. <laughs> Put it in shoe leather. Moses wrote about this. Did you know he, he's the author? He's the one whose hand moved. God's the author. But his, fan, his hand moved to write this down. And he's telling about him being born. What happened the day he was born? What happened a couple months later, three months later, what took place? But you know, this is about Moses. And, and he wrote Exodus and all that. But this isn't his birth. If that's all we got, all we get is a history lesson of, of, of better theology or some garbage. We're going to die in our sins. Christ said, "You, if you believe Moses, if you believed him, he said, you would have believed me because he wrote of me. Well, I thought Moses was writing about Moses being born. Yeah, well, this ain't about Moses, is it? This ain't about Moses. This begins here with a man and a woman having a child in Egypt. And all the sons of Jacob, because of this child born and being cast in the river and being favored, all the sons of Jacob are going to be coming out of Egypt. Israel's bringing, bringing out. Their exodus began with a child being born. So did ours. So did these sons of Jacob coming out of this wicked world of Egypt and this wicked self of Egypt. It began with a child being born. It says in verse 1, Exodus 2, verse 1, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. This is, that Levi's were the priests, weren't they? Here's a priest that's there. And he, he got a daughter of the Levites. And, you know, John the Baptist, he was born. He was born the son of a priest, of a Levite, wasn't he? He was a voice. But our Lord was born of the tribe of Judah. Judah. <laughs> Moses was of the Levites, and John the Baptist was of the Levites, but, but Christ was of the tribe of Judah. Why? There ain't a high priest like him. There ain't never been one like him, and never will be. He's after the order of Melchizedek. That's God's high priest. This isn't just because of what man declares, well, this is the tribe it should come from, and we know that. We, we don't know nothing. We need to know him. We need to be led to that rock. That's what it says in Genesis 14, speaking of Melchizedek, it says, the priest of the Most High God. 
not a priest, not of a tribe of priests, not having to be just one of a bunch you've got pulled out of. This is the priest. That's Christ, our priest. It says in verse 2, And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was goodly, he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. She hid him three months. He was something different about this child. He was a goodly child. She saw that. They was killing all the males born in Egypt, weren't they? But this one was born, and she thought, oh, he's different. He's different. And Hebrews 11. I keep well, about to go through Hebrews on Wednesday nights. I keep going back there. But Hebrews 11. It was speaking. It says, by faith Moses, when he was born, he was hid three months of his parents. His parents here, this Levi man, Levi woman, the Lord records that and says this was a great act of faith. They hid him for three months because they saw he was a proper child. They just like any other child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. The king said, kill every one of them. They said, this one's different. This ain't like him other children. You know, every parent thinks their children are proper and good. I like I, other children's fine, you know, but y'all see my children. <laughs> Let me tell you about my children. And, and look out if I have grandbabies. Uh, there'll be pictures all over the place, won't they? But, you know, my children, it's going to be shocking to some folks that may tune into this on the airwaves. Your children are evil, wicked enemies of God. That's how we come into this world. That's why we come in crying. We're lying, lying from birth. Do you have to teach your children how to lie? I was real good at it from a young age. And I honed my skills thereafter. That's every one of us. Why, this woman, she thought this. Why? Why would, why would Moses' mother think he was goodly, that he was proper, and he was different than these other children? She's going to hide him for three months, and so be it if she gets her head chopped off. This represents, Mary Moses wrote of Christ, this represents the only one that is good, the only one that is proper. That's what the rich young ruler came to the Lord. He said, Master, and he said, Good Master, right? Oh, how proper and how churchy. And he said, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, and that's God. You calling me God? This ain't just a history lesson on Moses and how he happened to come to power. This is a picture of Christ, isn't it? This is the one picture of the one born of a virgin that descended. We was all created. He descended, and there's a body prepared for him, the only goodly child. And I, I just... I dwelt on him being a, a, an infant this week. And people talk about those horrible, blasphemous nativity scenes at Christmas time and a poor, sweet baby Jesus. And that's what mankind likes him something you can pick up and swaddle and sit down for a nap and not have to deal with him for a while. But I just thought, as this played out, as Mary and Joseph, could you imagine? Like, does he keep you up at night? Do you get sleep? We always ask young parents, do you get sleep through the night yet? He never cries. He don't cry. I know he's hungry. We feed him and he's got to be changed and burped and he ain't never cried. Was he alert? Like something wrong with him? No, no. He's got eyes like doves. The world's in that man's eyes and that baby's eyes. He's something that never fusses. In time, Moses, what I read from the scripture, as what we're told from the scripture, at three months old, he cried. He was hid for three months, and babies normally cry, but nobody heard this one. Our Lord didn't weep. He didn't cry until he did, and then he wept, and then he cried aloud, and it says that often throughout scriptures, doesn't it? 
And Moses' mother hid him three months. He was goodly, a proper child. And she saw he was goodly, and she hid him three months. You know, Christ was hidden for 30 years. He walked in search. That's three decades. <laughs> Moses was hidden for three months. The greater Moses, our great deliverer, he was hid for three decades before anything was pronounced for his public ministry began. And it was at that wedding of Cana. And his mother said, y'all out of wine? Talk to him. <laughs> Whatever he says, do that. He rebuked her, didn't he? And he said, well, what do I have to do with you, woman? He said, mine hour's not yet come. Because he was about his father's business, wasn't he? But up until that point, I was just Joseph's son, a carpenter. He said, carpenter like his dad, he, he built my table. I know him. He was without honor, wasn't he? He was hidden. Verse 3 says, and when she could no longer hide him, she hid him for a while, but she couldn't. You can't hide the sun for very long. Did you know that? If the Lord works in somebody, like that little boy said, well, if Christ is in me, won't he stick out? He said, sure will. <laughs> if the Lord's worked in something, you can't keep your mouth shut for long. He's going to come out. He's going to show himself. He will come forth, won't he? When she could hide him no longer, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. Just like every other son of Jacob, this son must go into the river. They were all being drowned in this river. This was, this was the king's decree. Wouldn't it? Look here in chapter 1, verse 22. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye, born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. That was, that was the law, wasn't it? Moses was cast into that river in obedience to the law that he was born under. Moses went into that river just like every other Hebrew son. But this one came out again. You see that? You picking up what I'm laying down? Christ went into that river. He went into that death for us that nobody's ever come back out of. And he rose again for us. And you know, from this point on, it's not mentioned that any other babies, any other male sons were drowned in that river. That were they probably. It ain't mentioned, is it? It ain't mentioned. Life came after this one. And she took for him an ark of bulrushes. That's the reeds that grow on the bank of the, the Nile River. And that word is papus, papius. That's where we get paper from. They use this, this same reed. They would tear it down and mill it up like a pulpwood mill, and they'd make paper, and that's what they'd write on. You getting that? He's in the word. He's in the written word. Those historians, they said this reed was of the greatest use to the Egyptians, the pith serving as food and the woody part they built vessels with. Boy, how true that was. <laughs> it's very useful, isn't it? This word is. And in that ark, it was dabbed with slime and with pitch. Slime. That's what this world is. That's what all these things that we think are so wonderful and so great. You ever, you ever climbed into a stagnant pond? I'm, I guess I'm a city boy. I like concrete ponds. <laughs> I can Beverly Hillbillies. I, I don't like swimming in rivers, really, and I sure don't like swimming in ponds. You, the, the algae gets all over you. It's a hooky, isn't it? That's what she got, and that's what was pitched in this. Christ had a body prepared for him, and he came into this sin-cursed earth. We get disgusted with this earth, don't we? 
Do you get disgusted with stuff going on? And we're evil. Think about him. Here's the word. Coming down here housed in, in this slimy thing and with pitch. What's that show us? Why was it both? What, couldn't they just say, is this a lesson in, in architectural design of carriages? No. The Lord covers us and our filth with his own blood. That's the waterproofing. Just like Noah's ark. It said it was pitched within and without. Not just on the outside, but on the inside. Not just in all that wrath of God to prevent that from getting to us, but our own wrath can't touch it. We're prevented from ourselves. He went before. Remember that? How are all the sons of Jacob going to live? One of them has to be cast in the river. How are all these, how is this whole thing of Hebrews that's in this captivity for 430 years, how are they going to come out? This one has to be cast in the river. It has to. Look at the providence of God in this, his power and his design. This has to happen. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, said, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. We're going to learn a lot about Miriam here in the future, but that was Moses' older sister. She's probably a young teenager. She's probably 10, 12, 13 years older than him. It says there in verse 4, And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Here's Miriam standing out there, and she's got her little baby brother that's three months old. Mamas took him and made a little ark for him and, and laid him in the, it says the flags down by the river. That's the other reeds. And pushed him out in the river. And Miriam's just standing back watching, watching. She didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't know what was going to come to pass. But she was watching. She was attentive. Right? Does it say she's taking a nap down there? No, she was watching, wasn't it? I remembered about those women seeing our Lord cast into the waters at Calvary. Whenever the Lord turned his back on the Lord, God forsook God. There was some women there, and they were watching. It says, when that centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. And there were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the less and of Josie and of Salome. Them women were there watching. Did they know what was going to happen? The apostles didn't really understand that. But they was watching. Was they at home getting ready for the football game? No, they was watching. Come see a man, didn't she? Come see a man. This is important. Miriam was brought to that river to watch. She was brought to that river. It's recorded for us. It's important. God wrote this down. To behold deliverance. She was brought there to behold Anything change? Ephesians 2 says, 2.13 says, You who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That's where we were. I didn't even know what was going on. I just happened to be watching. <laughs> God showed me some things. He taught me some things. Well, verse 5. As luck would have it. <laughs> Don't that make you have chill bumps? Just so happens. That's not so. That's sarcasm. The king's daughter came down to wash. There in verse 5, And the daughter of Pharaoh, this is the one that didn't know Joseph. This is the one that had no idea what they didn't talk about. I think I read that in the book somewhere. I don't know any people. We've got to go after them. Kill every one of these babies. 
king's daughter came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maids to fetch it. This is the king's daughters coming down. You remember in Psalm 45? It says, King's daughters were among the, thy honorable women. Upon the right hand did stand the queen of, in gold of Ophir. And it says, Hearken, O daughter, you listen. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship, you worship thou him. Here comes a king's daughter. This is Pharaoh's daughter. And where is she coming? Down to the river to wash. That's where we have to be brought. We won't go by ourselves. Uh, I'm so good at humbling myself. Let me tell you all about it. <laughs> I don't, I don't it. I'm so good at it. No, it ain't. We have to be brought down like, like David was looking at last hour. We have to be overwhelmed. Here's a king's daughter. They, she had a staff. <laughs> go fetch me some water, right? There's a leper that happened to, wasn't it? Naaman. He was the only leper that the Lord, there's a lot of lepers in, in Israel in that day. And there was one, a Gentile, and he went to God's prophet. He said, you going to fetch me some water out here, or do something to me? What you going to do for me? And he didn't even, Elisha didn't even go out there to him. He just said, sent a servant boy and said, go tell him to get down the river seven times. You're telling me? I got to go down that dirty old river. We got clean rivers back where I'm from. I ain't going in that river. And an unnamed faithful servant of that general said, if he'd have told you to do something mighty, you'd have done it. Why don't you just do something easy? He said, go get in that water. Had to be brought down. To what? It ain't just brought down. That's like, oh, well, I'm just tore up over my sin. Yeah, well, yeah, then repent and turn to God. <laughs> Cry out. Not just brought down, not just sad, not just, huh, huh, oh, woe is me. Wash, that's what we need. She's dirty. You ever found somebody dirty? You ever found a sinner? They need washed in the blood, don't they? She had to be brought down to this river. Come down there to wash herself. We must come down to what? Wash. How are we washed? By seeing the ark. She come down there to wash, and she saw the ark. What was it? You know that ark of the covenant? There's a couple different arks, isn't there? <laughs> Brother Don said, I, I knew everything about them scriptures. I thought, how'd they get all them animals in a box this big? That's Noah's ark. It's a different ark. In the ark of the covenant, there's three things in there. There was Aaron's rod that budded. You know what that is? Life. Life from wood. You get it? And there was a cup of manna from heaven. That cup, well, You can't keep it overnight or it'll, it'll spoil. This didn't. Oh, this is the sustainment. This is the nourishing bread of life is what's in there. And there was that law of Moses, those two tablets of stone. That's against us. That's a, a, that slays me. It's contained in that ark. We've got to see that. We've got to see he's all life. He's all sustainment. He's the fulfillment of the law. He's all. That's when you washed, when you brought down. Because that rock's higher than I. Remember that? <laughs> got to be higher. When she saw that ark among the flags, among those other reeds sticking up and cattails and all those things, she sent her maid to fetch it. And you know, when somebody, it's like that blind man and, and, and John wrote about, uh, he hadn't, the Lord said, you know, would you worship the Lord? He said, well, show me who he is and I'll do it. He'd seen 25 people his whole life. And he said in there, he said, well, he's a prophet. He didn't have all his words sorted out right. He didn't, just like a little baby. Right? They'll call a spoon a fork. Well, you don't just smack them in the face and 
beat them up. No, you teach them, right? Here she said, she sent her maids to go fetch it. There in John 1, the Lord came to Philip. It said, he came to Galilee and he findeth Philip. And he said to Philip, follow me. Who found who? The Lord found Philip, didn't he? Well, down a couple of verses later, Philip findeth Nathaniel. And he said, we found him. We found him. <laughs> he found us. Whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found him. We found him. This, this king's daughter sent her servants to go fetch it. How did she find the Lord? The Lord found her. If he's, if he's loving to us, we will be loving to him. If he seeks us, we're going to seek him. If he reveals his commitment to his child, his child will be committed to him. I don't talk nobody into it. It's just going to happen, isn't it? If his love shed abroad, our love shed abroad. That's so. Look at verse 6. And when she had opened it, she sent her servants, I've got this ark, brought her over to her. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. <laughs> this was an enemy's child, isn't it? But she had compassion. She had compassion. To hide that child who was always there, wasn't he? He was there. No one could hear him. She couldn't hear him. She couldn't see nothing. And then one day, she wept. he wept. For three months, Moses had been on this earth. I don't think he cried. And then one day he wept. For, for 30 years, our Lord walked this earth and didn't have a public ministry. And one day he started preaching, didn't he? Same way when the Lord comes to us. Our Lord wept. He cried aloud. When he was preaching, he said he cried aloud. He'd yell while he was preaching. Wake him folks up and make them hear it, at least with their ears. He, he yelled out loud. And he, he cried aloud when he was preaching. But from those waters that he calmed for his people, that death that he accomplished, while he's on that cross, he cried to us then too, didn't he? Mark 15 says, In the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's what we need to hear. How can a man be just with God? Somebody's got to pay for it. Somebody has to be forsaken. We need a lamb, and we have to hear him. He cried it out loud. He knew why. He cried it for us. Was Moses hungry as a little three-month-old baby? He cried for that king's daughter. That's why he was crying. And she had compassion on him. And Lord, when we, we hear him cry, we have a heart for him. After she heard him weep, you see that picture? She heard, heard of his sufferings for sin. When she heard, it is finished, she had compassion toward him. And said, so this is one of the Hebrews' children. This, is, this was an enemy. This was an enemy. This was the opposite of what I am. But she fell in love. She fell in love. She knew what the law was. But that law had been fulfilled. He'd been cast in it. Now she just got love left. She had compassion on him. Verse 7, Then said his sister, this is Miriam, to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? How many wet nurses were in that day? Well, there's a mess of women having boy babies getting chucked in the river. A lot of them to choose from, wouldn't it? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. She went and got Moses' mother and said, hey, come here. I got something for you. That's a good news. <laughs> Who's on their throne in this? Who wrote this book? 
Well, man, many different men wrote this book. No, there's one man wrote this book. He used a bunch of different hands to do it. It was precious, isn't it? Unlike that other Jesus that's just conjured up by our old nature, that poor little Jesus, he doesn't need our nourishment and our help and all that stuff. He's the king. He's reigning. But this is a good picture. This, uh, stay with me. This, this ruby's turning a little bit, okay? Let's see what kind of light gets cast off of it on this. This is a good picture of us, babes in Christ, those that are put into Christ the ark, isn't it? Look here at this, verse 9. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me. Nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. Moses' mother threw her child into a river, trusting God, knowing, knowing he was goodly. The Lord's going to use this one. I'm convinced of it. And she threw him. To, that's a good thing for parents to do. Put your children to the Lord. <laughs> Trust your children and your loved ones and your family and your parents and everybody else to the Lord because only he can do it. I can't teach nothing. I can't convict nobody, nothing in the heart. I might be able to convict them in the head, and that's just as bad. The Lord can do that. Cast him to him. And he brought Moses' mother there to nurse him and to, to take care of him for her, and then she got paid to do it. <laughs> She's on the government's payroll, on the king's payroll, to feed her own son. <laughs> What a thought. The wages, the wages. That's our job as a, as a, as a local assembly of Christ is to feed, feed the babes, isn't it? Just to put this gospel forth, part of the job, feed the babes. Feed them with some sincere milk of the word. I thought of what our Lord said when he sent those out. He said, the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. She was feeding a baby. It wasn't really hers. It was on loan, wasn't it? And she got her wage for it. And Paul told Timothy, he said, The scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, for the laborer is worthy of his reward. And he wrote him again in 2 Timothy. And he said, Study to show thyself approved unto God. You fill them baby bottles up with sincere milk. <laughs> Divide it out the best you can. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'll just be real honest with you. The first every month I get a, I get my paycheck, I just I feel horrible. I always did until about two months ago, and then I read that, and I thought, well, I studied, it's right. And I wonder if Moses' mother felt guilty about feeding that child and getting paid for it. Well, it's right. It's right. But this is a picture of the bride of Christ, isn't it? With a brand new baby, with a, a, a brand new creation in her midst. And it says, and the woman took the child and nursed it. She took the child and nursed it. I want that spirit. I want that tenderness. I want that wisdom that goes with it, not just knowledge. I want some understanding to go with it and, and have some sense. The Lord teach me how to nurse his children, how to feed his sheep. Whether that's my for you all or for brothers and sisters or those that's older than me that's been doing this longer, I want to be a comfort and, and have some, a, a little bit of milk for my pasture when he's down. Or encourage him when he's up, too. That's what we read there to start with. Paul said, we give thanks to God for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your labor of love. You think Moses' mother got mad that she had to feed Moses? <laughs> well, no, it's labor of love. 
she had to eat right and probably get up early in the morning, stay up late at night and change diapers. No, she loved him. That ain't no problem. Patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the Son of God our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. Paul didn't say, I think, I, I see some things that might give some encouragement. He said, I ain't a fool. I know. <laughs> I know. You turn from all them idols you used to be worshiping. You turn to God. You put this gospel forth and there's, there's fruits of the Spirit in you. I'm not confused by those things. It's evident, isn't it? Well, verse 10, And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Drawn out. That's his name. Drawn out. That's the exodus. We're going out. How are we going to go out? We're going to have to be drawn out. <laughs> and here he is. Here he is. And he said, you call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. But that child grew, didn't it? Just like Hannah took her child, took Sam down there to the, to the priest, and she said, there he is. Take him. Moses' mother did the same thing, turned him over. But the child grew. And I thought, <clears throat> it says in Luke 2, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Boy, that's a hard thing to understand. And I don't think it's going to happen in this lifetime. Scriptures say, Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He had to learn obedience. I can't enter into that yet. But I know that Moses did, didn't he? He's got 40 years ahead of him before some things start happening. And he learned some things in there. This man that's the meekest of, of all men ends up murdering somebody, hiding a body. Lord we'll called that meek. We have something to learn, don't we? We have something to learn about meekness and obedience and, and growth. I pray the Lord will grow us in that, and that we'd see him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for our Redeemer that bought us and drew us to himself, led us to the rock that's higher than I. Lord, allow us to see your providence in these things and your power, your sovereign will being performed in, in, in everything here in Exodus. But Lord, let us see it as our we're being drawn out right now. Allow us to see it all in our lives and the, the clouds and the air and the birds and the trees and the king's hearts and our hearts. Make us thankful, Lord, and give us contentment in that and comfort that you do all things well. And our, our King reigneth. Lord, thank you for this hour. Forgive us for what we are and be with us. Hear us as you have and as you promise you will. It's because of Christ and because of that one that was put in the river for us that we ask it. Amen.